0: Deuteronomy 8, (laughs) be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. This is the word of God.
1: I uh, spent some time this week uh, studying some of the greats of modern philosophy, uh, as you do, and uh, so I looked at. Um, well, I looked at some of the work of Britney Spears, <laughs> and uh, here was what I learned uh, from Britney. I don't know. There it is. She's stronger than she was before. You might think that I won't make it on my own, but now I'm stronger than yesterday. Now it's nothing but my way. She'll make it, all on her own. Ah, And so I decided to push deeper into this oeuvre of uh, <laughs> philosophy of female celebrities. So after Britney, I, I consulted the other modern oracle of Miley, and um, she has something very similar to say. I can do anything, yeah. And I'll do it on my own. I'll get it done without the help from no one. Although she obviously a little grammatical help would help her. (laughs) Complicated childhood, not much schooling, I, I, I guess. On Hannah Montana. I'll get it done with the help from no one. I came into the world by myself. A mother might disagree. Anyway, so I don't need nobody else. I'm all right on my own. And um, actually, I found both of these songs on an album about empowerment. So there you go. I can't remember what it was called, Um, and I don't really advise it anyway. But um, there it is. There's the spirit of the age in one sense. I can do it on my own. Uh, brackets, I've made some very public mistakes, uh, both of them might say, but now I'll, I'll do it on my own. And that is, in one sense, the spirit of our age. I, I'm an independent woman, man, um, but I can make it. And yet, in one sense, there's nothing particularly new about that. That's a fairly timeless philosophy. So, uh, as I did a little bit of further research in such things, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 00s, and noughties, and they haven't produced this decade, the most popular song at a funeral. Do you want to guess what it is? Yes, it's my way. Do you want a bit of karaoke? <laughs> Collectively? <laughs> Can we play that? No, no, I'm no, not going no, to um <laughs> Maybe just in your own head, or if you can't stop yourself, you could sing along. Uh, yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and, <clears throat> excuse me, spat it out. I faced it all and I stood tall and did it my way. And that is, has been for decades the most popular song at funerals and crematoriums up and down the land. I don't need anyone else. I'm stronger on my own. I don't need anyone else, even to be born. Oh, okay. Uh, whatever happens, I did it my way. And that's, I can stand tall and declare that to you today. And Deuteronomy 8 says, perhaps more clearly than anywhere else in the Bible, you idiot. Verse 17. You may say to yourself, literally you may say in your heart, my power. And the strength of my hands have produced all this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. You may say to yourself, look at what I've achieved. And the Lord says, because of what I gave you. Don't forget him. And therefore, in chapter 8, love him. Obey him. Chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, be careful to follow every command. It's so annoying. The, 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 the translation here is literally, be careful to follow the commandment I am giving you today, singular, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that Lord, Lord your God promised on oath to your ancestors. The reason that matters is because in this whole book of Deuteronomy, I think this is right. The commandment, singular, is always love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, strength, is the commandment, singular. But the way you live out in practice that commandment is by obeying the laws and the statutes. The commandment, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and strength. But there are many, many laws and statutes and decrees, and they make concrete your love for the Lord in your life. So you don't just declare it in a song, but you live it in practice. So um, if you've been here for the last few weeks, chapter 6 of this whole block, chapter 6 had this great commandment, singular, Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul strength. And then in chapter 7, 8, and 9, you get a potential threat to them. So if you were here last time, chapter 7, verse 17, you may say in your hearts, literally, these nations are stronger than we are. We we can't resist the culture around us. We get tonight, chapter 8, verse 17, you may say in your heart, look at what I've achieved for myself. And we'll see next week in chapter 9, verse 4, you may say in your heart, look how moral I am. Look how better than everyone else I am. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength. But you know what? You'll easily be deviated by fear of others, chapter 7, by what you've accumulated. You're impressed with your stuff, chapter 8. Oh, in chapter 9, you're impressed with your morals. And you won't love the Lord. These things will distract you. But here in chapter 8, the key issue is what happens when life goes well. And the chapter moves from a time of a barren past to a time of much greater security, affluence in the future. And if you, I hope, hopefully, if you, as it was read, you notice this great emphasis on remembering or not forgetting. So chapter 8, verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you uh, all the way in the past. Uh, and verse... <clears throat> Uh, four, no, I've, I've lost, my, lost my bearings, not to worry. Uh, four times you get remember and uh, don't forget, verse 11, uh, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands. Verse 19, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods. So here we are, verse 18, remember, remember the Lord. So this is the theme, if you're going to keep obeying him, loving him, you need to not forget, but do remember. Now, here in, in, in um, uh, Deuteronomy 8, remembering what has certainly two senses to it. So in verse 2, it's remember what God has done. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness. But in verse 11, what does remember mean? Be careful that you don't forget that you remember the Lord your God well, remember, that you, be careful you don't forget by failing to obey him. So do you see, to remember is both I remember, I had pizza for lunch, whatever it may be, I remember. but to remember is also to obey. And there's always this sense to it, both a relational element to remembering what someone has done for you, what the Lord has done, and obedience my mother my mother might say to me uh in her 80s um hey now look uh, remember it's my birthday next week and uh, remember i'm having a party and uh you will be there uh my birthday for my whatever 80th birthday you will be there next week don't forget that now if i fail to show what have i done well On one level, I've just disobeyed a command. She told me, be there at my birthday. So I've disobeyed a command, okay? But of course, the more significant thing is I've forgotten who she is. I've forgotten all that she's done for me. She's my mother. Disobeying her command is, well, breaking rules neither here nor there, but forgetting her That's what I'm doing if I break that command. And it's that sense here in Deuteronomy 8. Obey everything the Lord tells you to do. What if I don't? What does it matter? I'm just breaking the odd law or two. Yeah, Yeah, but you're disobeying him. You're forgetting all that he's done for you and all that he is. Remember him two halves of the passage, It really the, uh, the chapter pivots at verse 11. Uh, so we'll look at it like that. Uh, remember God's provision in the barren past. And then secondly, don't forget it's God's provision in the wealthy future. They move from a time of uh, not a lot to a time of plenty. So they need to remember the past so they get it right in the, in the future. Let's take them in turn then. As I say, verse 11 is the pivot. But uh, uh, first then, remember God's provision In the barren past. Let me read verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. To humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Which neither you nor your ancestors had known. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then, in your heart, that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Here then is a new motivation in this book of Deuteronomy for obedience. Just remember how God provided for you in the past. He didn't let you down then. So you can trust him in the present. Do you remember that uh, there was a test? Uh, Verse 2, the Lord humbled you and tested you. There's a twofold element to it. It, On the one hand, it was so that the Lord would know what was in your heart. Not that the Lord is ignorant, but he relates to us in real time. But the second element to it was uh, verse 3. He humbled you, testing you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you knew or ancestors known, to teach you what? That man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, this is not contrasting physical food, per se, with the Bible. So it would be folly to say in the next week, I don't need food, I just read the Bible. Um, You will conk out. Don't do that. But it is contrasting uh, worldly obvious things that we can produce, bread, with supernatural provision. That's the distinction that is actually drawn when it's worked out. Natural means are not enough. They were being taught in the wilderness to depend upon the Lord. So, verse four—sorry, uh, verse three. God provided manna. They're wandering through a desert. There's no food. There's no Seven Eleven. There's no Tesco Metro. There's nothing like that. They're wandering through the desert. God provides their food. They unzip their tents each morning and Mr. Ricardo has been, sort of. Uh, bread arrives each and every morning. Uh, and verse five, their clothes are pretty miraculous too. Forty, Sorry, verse four. Wandering around for 40 years, their feet didn't swell and their clothes didn't wear out. That'd be, I mean, that'd be great. They'd have been great in marathons and all those sort of things. No problem with blisters. Here is... Supernatural provision for them. God taught them those years in the wilderness, you can't just get by on your own, with your own resources. And he did all this, verse 5, so that they would know in their hearts that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you. Not retributive, you've misbehaved, I discipline you, but shaping uh growing up um, my father decided my mum had tried to lobby on my behalf but got nowhere my father decided we were a household with no pocket money that was just the policy no pocket money so from uh, about age uh, 10 onwards I'll for a paper round and had to do a paper round every morning uh, uh to earn a few pennies and uh, a little bit older worked in uh, restaurant kitchens and that was just his policy no no pocket money and I could lament and bleat all I wanted oh, everyone at school gets pocket money he said not in this house Now, I'm not advocating that particularly, but why did he do that? He did it to discipline me. Not retribution, not punishment, but to train me. As he would often say, money does not grow on trees. (laughs) And you count the pennies, my boy, and the pounds will look after themselves. which I think means look after small amounts of money and they accumulate. Um, but I always took, well, I've only got pennies. There are no pounds because you won't give me any. But um, <laughs> I think he meant the former uh, and not the latter. It was discipline. Here the Lord wanted to discipline Israel. He wanted them to know in their hearts that God cares for them. And... They had to depend upon him, not their own resources. And Jesus, in the desert, when tempted, could equally say, look, I don't live on bread alone, but upon every word that comes from the mouth of my Father. I don't, yeah, I could make some bread. I'm pretty good at making things. I'm God. But I... Depend upon my father. I'm not going the independent route. I'm taking the route of I rely upon you. Now, why did God want to teach them all these things? Well, it is verse six. So that they would observe the commands of the Lord, walking in obedience to him and revering him. Here's the point of the lesson from the barren past. Obey me. You need me. You can't get by on your own. Trust me. Because things are going to change. Verses 7 to 11 is all one long uh, conditional sentence. Um, when, 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 then. So uh, verse 7. four things are going to change. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. Well, there's a contrast with the desert. As opposed to the desert, there's water everywhere. There's jacuzzis with jets, that sort of thing. There's a picture of water gushing everywhere. So that's great. Uh, verse 8, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, honey. Brilliant. Wheat and barley. You can make bread. You can make beer, olive oil for everything else you need. Cooking, lighting, honey, treats. Um, chocolate sort of thing for us, I guess. It's all going to be there. Verse 9, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack Nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. It's like the mineral deposits of central Australia. It's fantastic. There's just money coming out of the ground there. You have everything you need. Things are going to change. And so, verse 10, when that happens and, and when your life is comfortable and you've got money, what's the right response? Verse 10, when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Praise him. That's the right response. When you have money that you need, when you have the clothes that you need, you have the work that you need, praise him. But just be careful because verse 11, well, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. What does that look like? Well, forgetting the Lord your God means failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Watch out. So really, verses 2 to 11, the emphasis is on remember. Remember how God provided in the barren past. Remember that God looked after you. You had enough. Remember that. And therefore, don't forget it's God's provision in the wealthy future. When the money comes in, when life is much more straightforward, don't forget Verse eleven. So be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands. observe, observe. observe, Let's start again. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Hey, look, unless you learn the lesson when you haven't got very much, that the Lord will provide for you, give you what you need. Look, when life gets easier, it's very easy to become proud. I've worked hard for my money. I've worked hard to get to this place in my career. And any success (laughs) is done to me. Well done, me. Very easy to become proud and forget the Lord. Well, for them, the Lord had done everything, verse 14. You'll forget the Lord who brought you out of slavery out of the land of slavery. So, you're out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. See, it is Australia. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness. He, He, He led you. He brought up. He gave you. He sorted you out to humble and test you so that it might go well with you. He did all this. But you know what? When life goes well, when your career is good, you might say to yourself, verse 17, you may say in your heart, literally, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, it's he who gives you the ability. I can't remember, I might have tell one or two of you this before. Uh, about a decade or so ago, Herbert Smith, he was a Nobel winning economist. Uh, He was asked to produce a report. How much uh, is social capital responsible for wealth? And what do I mean by that? Social capital being uh, the the country you're born. Being born into a stable democracy with a mature capitalist system where copyright laws apply. So if you create something, it belongs to you. Uh, These sort of things. Natural resources, technological skills in the community. The presence of stable government. This is the foundation upon which you can build something. And Herbert Smith estimated that ninety percent of what everyone, of what people earn in wealthy societies, they can claim absolutely zero credit for. So today I read that Jim Ratcliffe is uh, the wealthiest man in the UK, worth twenty one point five billion, certainly more than me. And uh, the Times Rich List puts him at number one with his company, a giant chemicals company. And he's worth 21.5 billion. I have no doubt that man has worked incredibly hard all his life to earn that. Had he been born in Nepal in the 19th century, how much would he be worth today? Or how much would he have been worth when he was 60 years old in Nepal in the 19th century? pennies. Why is he worth 21.5 billion? Oh, because he was born in the UK. And he was given a free education all through his life. Yeah, he had to work for his degree, but it was a free degree for him then. And he happened to be in the right place, at the right time, with the right skill set to grow this company. Had he been born even 50 years earlier? <laughs> that's a lot of luck that gets him his money. Now, Herbert Smith, that's just uh, that's a, a secular observation. Of course, Moses would want to put deep, push a little bit deeper than that. So you and I, we sit here tonight or stand here tonight and we think to ourselves, yeah, there is something of that truth. But still lurking within our hearts is, of course, the sentiment, my brilliance has got me where I am. So you may say to yourself, it was my creative talent, my brain, that enabled me to achieve this. Yeah, but the Lord gave you your brain. You could have been born with a high Q half of what you've got, with absolutely zero creativity. The Lord gave you that. You might say to yourself, I have worked incredibly hard to make the most of all the, the opportunities. I had." Yeah, Yeah, good for you. No one else in my company, no one else in my family has worked the hours I've done. Yeah, very good. But the Lord gave you the engine that can work those hours. He could take it away. You can get sick. You might say to yourself, uh, yeah, all right, God gave me opportunities, but I've taken them. Yeah, but He gave you opportunities and He enabled them to take you to take them. You might say to yourself, yeah, I've got a flat because I saved incredibly hard while all my friends were flittering away their money. Yeah, but that's because someone taught you to save hard, taught you to be frugal, or the circumstances of life taught it to you. you in a different family. You might have been very frivolous with your money. Whatever you might say, look at what I've done. In the end, the Lord has given it, all of it to you. And the world would say, You've been lucky. And Moses would say, God gave it to you. Don't you become proud? So I read recently an interview with Chris Hughes, who uh, I'd never met before. Chris Hughes, uh, uh, a few years ago, went to Harvard. Harvard. Uh, instead, I grew up in a very affluent family and uh, had lots of opportunities. But you know, I worked hard, got my degree, uh, and went to Harvard. And uh, um, he got housed in his first year. In his second year, he had to work out who am I going to room with, and uh, he had a few options. And uh, in the end, he uh, ended up rooming with a bloke called Mark. And um, Mark said, would well, help me out on this computer program called Face Smash," and they worked on that. And then they started working on the Facebook. And uh, he worked with his roommate, Mark, on the Facebook for a couple of years and then said, I've had enough of this, Uh, I'm out of here. Uh, Just took a few share options. And so now today, of course, his his, um, flatmate, his roommate was Mark Zuckerberg. And so Chris Hughes is worth half a billion dollars. And he said, it's all luck. It's all luck. I very nearly didn't go into that room. The bloke I wanted to share with went with someone else. I was a bit annoyed at the time. All luck. To me, it's just credit, even Mark Zuckerberg admits that. He was quoted in this article, and Zuckerberg said, "Yeah, uh, happily, I had time to learn coding skills growing up, because my parents never put pressure on me to have a part-time job as a teenager. <laughs> It could have been me.
0: <laughs>
1: no, it couldn't. I'm too old. And if Mark Zuckerberg had been born 10 years earlier, he'd probably be earning 35K a year. You, he had to be born at precisely the right moment in history to take advantage of the Internet's explosion. So he says, yeah, I was happily... I, was, I, was, um, I learned skills at the perfect moment in history... To make money. A decade earlier, I'd be worth nothing. You might say in your heart, Look at what I've achieved. You might say in your heart, I I worked hard for my degree, I worked hard for my career, I, I graft away, I am really creative and have produced this. You might say in your heart, Look at me. And even the secular world says that you're just lucky. The very most you can take for yourself is 10% credit. And Herbert Smith argues for 90% taxation levels upon the rich. Because it's all luck. You probably won't get that. You might say to yourself, look at what I've done. And Moses says, no, no, verse 18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he... Who gives you the ability to produce wealth. How on earth can we be proud for what we've achieved? What we earn. What we possess. Every single thing is due to the Lord. He gives it to you. Two responses. The right response. Verse 10. Praise him. The wrong response, pride, independence. I'll make it on my own. I don't need him. And there is a warning at the end of the chapter. He can take it all away. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations the Lord destroyed before you. So you will be destroyed. For not obeying the Lord your God. It's constant emphasis in Deuteronomy. The promised land is a gift to Israel. The Lord will give them the land. It's not actually that obedience gets them into the land. But each and every generation is faced with this question. Will you obey? And if not, you'll be ejected. So remember the Lord equals... Depend upon him. Know it's him that gives you all that you have. Equals love him. Equals obey him. Now we need to bear in mind Moses was speaking to people with corrupt hearts uh, in Israel. He's speaking to a people who over the time, their hearts tend towards independence and they tend towards downward spiral away from the Lord. Now, if you're a Christian here tonight and you're listening to these words, this side of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the basic distinction of the chapter remains the same. Will we depend upon the Lord and recognize it's him that provides? Or will we say, well done me. That fundamental issue is the same. But let me push a little deeper and say, look, here are two ways it's different and two ways it is more the the same. Two ways that we're in a different place to the Israelites here. Uh, One is this. We look to Jesus to keep our place in the promised land. Not ourselves. That would be the first. We've sung of that already. He will keep me fast. We look to Jesus to keep our place in the promised land. He told his disciples, I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you. The promised land of heaven, glory, Jesus prepares our place and we look to him to get us there. His sacrifice pays once for all for all we've done wrong. Verses 19 and 20 are a real warning still for you and me. If you ever forget the Lord Jesus and follow other gods, you have no place in heaven. That is a real warning. But the Christian doesn't fear it in the way that Israel did. Because we look to Jesus primarily and we keep looking to Him, not ourselves, to guarantee our place in heaven. That's the first difference. The second is related to it. Unlike the Israelites, we have renewed hearts. So, unlike them, then, for the Christian, God comes and dwells in us by His Spirit. So, you and I will have this same battle in our hearts well done me, look at what I've done, look at what I've achieved, I've earned this money, I'll keep it for myself. We'll have that battle. But with God's spirit dwelling within us, we have more strength to resist. He has changed our hearts. So rather than this sort of, uh, we get this command, and over time, the Israelites, they would drift into forgetting, naturally, with sinful hearts. They would always drift towards independence, The Christian, as they hear God's word, should progress into dependence. We should be going in completely the opposite direction to a natural Israelite. So in those two ways, we're quite different. We look to Jesus for our place in the promised land, and we have transformed hearts. Two ways, though, it is very much the same for you and for me. The temptation is the same. That'll not go. And the more success you have, and the more wealth you accumulate, and the more that life goes well... You will say to yourself, Well done me. It's down to the hours I put in, the good ideas that I had. Well done me. And I deserve more credit for myself. And I deserve more of this money for myself. And I deserve a bigger house. And I deserve more cars. And I deserve, and on it goes. Well done me. That temptation only gets stronger the older you get and the more you succeed. And most people in this room will have a pretty good go at succeeding. So don't be naive. The temptation will always be there. And you and I need to remember we're absolute fools if we believe it. Because the Lord can take what we have in a moment. Two weeks ago, I just woke up on Tuesday morning with just a throbbing headache. And I tried to get through the day and I went back to bed. I haven't had anything like it for years. I could not function. I just had to go to bed and slept for twenty-four hours. And I got up and it was a little bit better and I managed to stumble through the rest of the week. It was just a vivid thing. I don't know what it was. Oh the Lord can take away your skills like that. You can lose all your money. Like that. Can all go. We're fools. If we give in to this temptation of pride. That's familiar. The second way we're very much like these Israelites is that the antidote is to remember. To remember. As they were told to do, to remember that God provided in barren seasons. He did give them what they needed. And then secondly, just to remember all he had done in saving them. Verse 14. Don't forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He would say to you and me, don't forget Jesus Christ who brought you out of slavery to sin and death and Satan and brought you into the kingdom of his son whom he loved. Don't forget him. It's very striking, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 17, if you don't know it at this moment in time, this will come to you at points in your life. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced all this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God. It's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, to get your degrees, to hold down your jobs, to earn your salaries. It's him. Don't forget him, but remember all that he has done for you. Let's pray together. Our great God and Father, we we thank and praise you once again for how instantly contemporary your word is, that these words from thousands of years ago speak directly to us today because the human heart is unchanging. Father, we thank you for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who guarantees us a place in heaven. He is the one who has sent his spirit to dwell in us so that we can live differently. So, Father, in his strength, would we fight this battle would we not succumb to the madness of being impressed with what we've done, with what we earn, with what we own, with where we've been? Father, would we not be impressed but say, we praise you? All the abilities we have, the opportunities we've been given are from you. Father, would please would we be those who praise you, who remember you, who love you and obey you.